0: Uh, Once again, thank you for joining me and uh, why don't you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Brian Seastone. I'm the chief of police at the University of Arizona.
1: Great to meet you. Uh, Why don't you tell me about yourself some more? Uh,
0: Did you go to the University of Arizona? I did a lot of my work here at the U of A, but I'm not an actual graduate um, from here. I have a uh, undergraduate degree in management and a master's degree in Uh, educational leadership. Great, from where? Uh, NAU is my master's and University of Phoenix was uh, my undergrad. All right, great, as long as it's not ASU. Right, exactly.
1: Uh, (laughs) So how did you get involved in law enforcement and why did you join
0: UAPD? I had a very interesting way that I started my career. Uh, I, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado and Good friends of ours became the sheriff, and a couple of years later, another good friend became the district attorney. And in a high school, uh, they got me interested in a program with the Boulder Police Department. Uh, it was called the Cadet Program, and they had three cadets from around the local high schools. And so I, I did that for a couple of years, and then the uh, sheriff in my senior year of high school asked me to come over and worked for him after school and uh after that he turned it into a full-time job and uh i became their major crime scene processor and um did that for three or four years and then decided it was time to come to the warm country and so i moved to arizona um, yeah. i chose i chose the university for a particular reason. Uh, Universities have the opportunity to really be the true community-oriented policing. Uh, a lot of police departments don't have that opportunity. And uh, especially in a big city like Tucson counties, it's difficult to do. Um, and so uh, this really fit the style of law enforcement that I wanted to do and I've uh, never regretted it.
1: That's great. Uh, so what's like the typical day like for a UAPD officer?
0: Uh, it, well, there is no typical day because, you know, what what you expect would be uh, calls for thefts, burglaries, um, it, depending on what shift you're on, uh, various alarms at night. It gets a little bit busier with uh, alcohol related calls. Uh, we're seeing an increase over the last couple of years of mental health issues on our campus. Um, We can go from everything from a uh, a very quiet day to all of a sudden, we have an active shooter, which we've had on this campus. We've had international um, uh, terrorist attack by the Animal Liberation Front. Um, We've had uh, rallies of seven, 8,000 people that sometimes just pop up. So, when I say there's no real trend to a day, I guess the traditional would be um, the normal calls for service and then whatever else pops up. Uh
1: huh. I know this is going a little bit off topic, but could you just in general explain to me what happened with the Animal Liberation
0: Front? Because I never heard of that. Sure. Back in uh, 1989, Um, uh, The Animal Liberation Front came to the U of A, and um, on the evening broke into several labs, liberated over a thousand animals, uh, set two buildings on fire, and uh, over the period of time caused about $3 million damage. Some uh, research that had been going on for 30 years was destroyed because of of, uh, the actions that day.
1: That's crazy. Were they like animal rights activists? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, all right. So, what's like the most common call you get? I guess, or the most common offense on the University of Arizona campus?
0: Okay. Um, like I said, we're we're seeing a lot more mental health calls, mm-hmm. um, thefts, we're. Um, um, huge institution and people sometimes uh, forget to watch their things and they kind of walk away. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, alcohol.
0: Definitely, definitely uh, alcohol, like bike thefts, right? Uh, bike thefts, yes. Uh, although the numbers have gone down over the last couple of years, it varies, uh, and you can kind of tell how things go by the economy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, alcohol, drugs, obviously are in there. We get a lot of alarms burglar alarms, force closure alarms, fire alarms that we respond to, uh, medical assists throughout the day. So those are our, our typical type of calls, but like I said, we could have anything.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when you respond to uh, the mental health calls or even like the uh, like drug-related offenses, is there like a different way you approach them uh, compared to other types of calls, or is it more or less uh, the same kind of approach?
0: Well, the the approach is always, what is the, the best way to handle it? Mm-hmm. And so, um, d- depending on the type of call, if it's a mental health call, you know, we're always going to respond in the same manner of, of potentialism, etc., you know um will take more time i'm very proud of our officers we we have folks that will take 3 or 4 hours just talking to somebody mm-hmm. and in gaining that confidence and stuff so yes there are different ways that you deal with things you're always looking for uh, the individual safety the officer safety etc we're uh, uh i really proud I'm proud of the way that we respond in that it's uh, very low key we we want to put people at ease because we know that the uniform uh especially with people in distress uh can make more tense but just taking that slow deliberate approach uh really seems to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of
1: important to like connect to people on an individual Absolutely. level. Um would you ever like uh consider like uh or maybe you guys already have it. Do you guys have like special, I guess, psychology training or mental health training
0: uh, in how to deal with people who are struggling with these issues? Every year, we, we do a, a lot of different training, but every year we go through uh, some type of mental health uh, awareness training, etc. All of my officers have been put through what's called mental health first aid, uh, we have people come in annually or do different types of trainings annually to keep us updated. We have people that are uh, trained in critical incident management, uh, response, et cetera. Uh, so yes, and we also have a lot of resources available here at the U of A. We've got our campus health um, counseling and psychological services that's right. available right. to us. We also have community resources, the CRC, that are very helpful. They'll come out and assist us, especially late at night uh, to help us um, work with people that are in distress, need some help, et cetera. So, um, we, we've got a lot of resources. Uh, we've got a lot of people that care and um, uh, we take our time on those types of calls.
1: That's great that's great um so in regards to training like what type of training do does an officer typically go through i guess um in a year or maybe when they're starting out
0: well all police officers must go through a state of training academy and currently the academy is 22 weeks Um, and then uh, for our officers after they uh, complete the basic training academy. They'll come back here for two weeks of an in-service, uh, what we call post-basic academy, where we get them up to speed on on uh, specific U of A things like the um, uh, the uh, things from risk management, uh, dean of students, etc. We also have. Um, Uh, a 16 week field training program, which each officer will will go through. So before they're ever out on the street on their own, uh, they've gone through almost 10 months of training. Uh, And then annually we go through, um, uh, uh, there are requirements by the state and each year an officer has to do eight eight hours of continuing officer training every three years Eight hours of proficiency training but at the U of A uh, we take training is is um, very critical to our job and so we do almost between 60 and 80 hours a year per officer and it's broken down everything from um, annually we have legal legal updates we have mental health training every year um, we have bias-based training every year uh, of some type. Uh, first state is is in there. Um, so there, there's a number of annual requirements that we do, not only because of our accreditation standards, because it's also the right thing to do. We also put on specialty classes. Um, and I'm putting all of my, uh, all of every officer in this department is going through uh, fair and impartial policing Um, class later on this month. It was supposed to be done in April, but because of the COVID situation, uh, that had to be postponed. So every officer goes through that. We go through, like I said, bias-based every year. Um, We've done things um, such as um, uh, transgender um, education for everybody. Um, we've got unique things here on our campus that we need to know about uh, different facilities and things so all of that is included in this type of training uh, every year so like i said we go well above any type of state requirement so it it equals out to about 60 to 80 hours depending on the officer and also on the assignment Uh, detectives because of their uh, specialty assignments will go to specialized training for interview and interrogation, um, um, forensic backgrounds, et cetera. Our motor officers obviously have proficiency training that they must maintain. Our canine officers uh, have to do uh, proficiency and updated training all the time. Our crime prevention officers go to uh, crime prevention, Um, education, SEPTED, which is Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. Uh, So, like I said, there's so much depending on what area you're in, but it's so important for us to keep current with current issues, uh, to do it the best way that we can. It's tough when you're a 24-hour operation to, to get everybody in it, but that's our commitment to our community, that it's it's important that we do these things
1: mm-hmm. that's great yeah that's good to hear about all like the different types of specialty programs that you guys go through i think that's really important um so i was wondering uh when someone initially i guess applies to be an officer um is there a type of test whether like psychological or anything else to filter up people who might
0: not be The best to fill this role. Absolutely. And that's one thing that is very important to us. University policing is unique. If you want to go out and chase rapists and robbers, go to domestic violence calls on a daily basis, uh, run red lights and sirens all the time to calls, this isn't the place to be. And people have to understand the unique environment here. We're dealing with a Certain age group. Traditionally, we'll say, I say 17 to 25, but obviously it's more than that. But that's the base of our population 45,000. Uh, obviously, there's professional students that are older than that. We we are in a, an environment that is constantly changing because our population, a quarter of it, changes every year. So right. we are constantly re educating introducing people to our department etc so um, we've got to get the right type of person and so we start out w- with a advertisement and then we do our, our beginning testing which consists of a, a physical testing just to see if people are are able to um, participate in the academy, that they've got the strength, endurance, et cetera. They also take a written test. And it's important for me to get in front of that group that morning and tell them exactly what we stand for, what our values, what our core values are, what our mission is, and that they understand the type of policing that they're going into. And I tell them, that's not what you're looking for. Lead now, you know, um, because I don't want to train somebody that's not willing to be that way, mm-hmm. be what we want them to be. Then from there, um, uh, all of their background packets, which is a very extensive background packet, is it, reviewed. Those that pass uh, those two tests go on to a, an oral board that's uh, conducted and questions are asked specifically about the department, campus policing, uh, their philosophy, you know, getting, getting some insight, and then questions on their background pack. Uh, those that uh, make a cut will, will take the highest number, however the many that may be, and we'll put them into a background investigation then. And that investigation includes um, follow-up on the, the background packet. It's a medical exam. It's a psychological exam. Um, it's another interview process with the background investigator. And then the, the final candidates have a one-on-one interview with me and my deputy chief. Because even though they've answered all of these questions, I, I can read a packet but I wanna see this person, I wanna understand where they're coming from, and I'll ask them very specific questions. So our our background process to hire the right person is extensive, um, and I I think we've made some really good choices over the years.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. It sounds like a really extensive process. Um. All right, so I'm gonna transition now to more, I guess, relevant issues for the recent few months. Um, So in light of the killing of George Floyd and the protests we've seen recently, there's been calls to defund the police. And I was curious what your thoughts are. Do you think this is going to make your job harder? Uh, Do you think it's something we need right now?
0: Uh, you got to understand what defunding is. (laughs) You know, it's a term in there are people that are using it in different ways right you know um and i'm going to say right up front that the actions of some of the police officers across this country are terrible and they have given law enforcement itself a bad name there are vast majority of officers that are dedicated to this profession to their oath of office etc uh, just as in any profession there are people that do not fulfill their oath and um, unfortunately we have those in, in ours as well those that go beyond their policies procedures and do things that are contrary they need to be dealt with and I, I have no patience for, for that but defunding can mean a couple of things it can mean reallocating of funds um, from other areas to get law enforcement out of doing some certain things um, that are have been put on law enforcement over the years you know there's no other group that works 24/7 besides police fire and medical personnel so who do you call when you need help you call one of those three and over the years additional responsibilities have been put on law enforcement um i would love to see us get out of some of the response to mental health and have social workers or other people respond but we just can't do that because some of those situations are dangerous situations Mm -hmm. and we can't put people in those positions as well So when we talk about defunding it, we've got to understand what do people mean? If you defund a police department, who is going to be there to respond to the crime in progress? Who's going to be there to respond to the active shooter, et cetera? If it means um, reallocation of some funding to do other things, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But to completely uh, get rid of a police department, et cetera, that's not going to work. Right. So, you know, like I said, I, police reform is great. I, I have no problems with, with some of the, the ways that people are talking. I think there need to be standards. Uh, that's why we are accredited by three different law enforcement uh, accreditation agencies. We're the only one in the state uh, to do that. Uh, that's one of the calls nationally to have um, uh, comply with national standards we've already done that and we've done it for the last 30 years. So uh, again, long story short, it depends on what you're talking about defunding right. and how it's done. But I think there's ways that things could be done better.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, so like one example is like, I already know you have a, a meeting, I think scheduled sometimes, soon uh with president robbins and the coalition of black Mm -hmm. students and allies um and i know you're gonna have that like public conversation but um one of the demands was like a divestment of 30 percent of the uapd budget to uh i think it was cultural resources and or like psychological um or like caps um so I was wondering uh, what your thought on this specific demand was, or if you'd like to save it for the, the uh, public conversation. I,
0: I, I would really like to save it for that conversation okay. in, in particular. Um, you know, I, I've already said some of that, right. you know, that I'd be more than happy if we, we can figure out a way. Um, I will tell you that about 87% of our budget is just out. You know, so our operating costs, et cetera, is not all that great. But yeah, I'd like to refer that to a later time.
1: Okay, that's totally fine. Um, All right, so I was curious if there's anything else that you would change uh, within UAPD or just within uh, other types of responses uh, to incidents on campus that you think uh, need more attention,
0: uh, if any? Sure. Um, I would love for us to be able to um, be able to engage with uh, a lot more groups on, on campus. And one of the things that I've been trying to do for six years now is uh, do a liaison with various groups besides the uh, residence halls and in Greek life. Mm-hmm. So that people can understand us. We can understand the issues a little bit more. The more we talk, the more we're able to sit down and just visit, uh, will help us as a community do a better job. Because it's just not law enforcement. It's a community that has to work together. So um, more community outreach. But we've got to have groups that are willing to do that and and have open dialogue. We've started our campus advisory board uh, that was initiated last year and we we've met several times. Uh, That board is is going to help us. um, We hope bridge some of those gaps there and help us become a a better department. I think it's a a good thing to have have that uh, type of interaction. So I'm pleased that we're doing it. It's in its Early stages right now, but we're already making some inroads uh, one of the trainings that we've already gone through for the command staff and community is part of the fair and implied bias policing. Uh, was having members of that group, our cab join them so that they could understand where we're coming from, how law enforcement responds, etc. And it was really helpful uh, to do that. I want to do more of that i would love to do a citizens academy as well so people can uh come in and see what it is to be uh a police officer some of the things that we we do and maybe dispel some of the myths of the things that uh, they think that we do so um uh, other points of transparency uh, we're looking at how we can get more information on a web page so that people can click you know and and find out more about the department Uh, we're getting ready to put uh, some of our policies online which we we've never done so that people can see those um so there's a lot of things you know and in the world right now is just upside down and so what can we do together to help make people feel more at ease, uh, so that we all can work together is one of our, our top goals.
1: Yeah, definitely. I really like that idea of like, I guess demystifying the police because like, I just personally like, I only see like the cars driving around and I'd love to get to know like the people involved with uh, UAPD. So I think that community outreach is definitely, definitely important.
0: It's, and that's one of the things that I, I really have emphasized over the years. I wanted the cops and the police aides to get out from behind the glass and steel of the car. That's why we've got more people on bikes. I love the motorcycle program, the bicycle program, because they're out and engaged. They'll see me walking around campus all the time. It's very rare that I drive. Um, it, it, that way we can interact. And people are um, maybe a little less hesitant, You know, trying to eat at the student union every, a couple of times a week. and it's, it's just amazing. People will come up to you and, and just visit and ask questions. That's the environment that we want. And we've always tried to uh, have on our campus. You know, um, unfortunately, with some staffing issues and stuff, we, we've been a little bit short. So our, our officers aren't out quite as much. And right now the campus is empty. So there's right. not a whole bunch of folks for us to interact with. You know but those are the goals and things that we want to continue to do and enhance
1: Mm -hmm. definitely um so i wanted to return to um when you're talking about student liaisons um i was wondering if you could tell me like more about that idea um and also um do we have student liaisons already or
0: is that like something you're talking about expanding i i guess i need your what you're talking about, a liaison, because yeah. we have officers that are assigned to residence halls. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's what we call our liaison program.
1: Yeah, I just, I thought I remember seeing somewhere that there was like a student liaison, like a student representative.
0: Oh, I think you're talking about our community service officers.
1: Maybe, yeah. Okay,
0: uh, our CSOs are students that work for us, and they help us uh with being additional eyes and ears around our our campus they'll respond uh to uh, uh, minor crime calls and take reports so that officers can remain out and on the street and respond to more pressing calls etc they will help us at events etc and the liaison program has been Good. I mean, it used to be a lot bigger, and just over time, it, it's become smaller. My deputy chief started off as a, a CSO here years ago, and now he's our deputy chief. Uh, we've had CSOs that are now uh, commanders in other agencies. So, so it's a great way for people to interested in the law enforcement profession to get a behind the scenes and, and see what that is. And, at pretty much what I did, you know, growing up. Um, I never wanted to be a cop, but after doing this, it was like, hmm, this, this is something I I want to do. And so that program, plus the liaisons, can also go back to their classes and uh, you know talk about the department. You know, some are criminal justice majors, others are engineers and things. You know, but people still have questions, and so. They, from a student perspective, can give us inform- insight, I don't want to say information, but insight into what some students are thinking about, et cetera, uh, concerns, et cetera. So it's a great program.
1: Mm-hmm. And so if someone is like a criminal justice major and they're interested in this, um, how did they go about like doing this? And also, is it like a, a paid thing? Is it a volunteer position?
0: Can they get credit it is- for it? It is a paid position um, and again, it's an application process and we go through. Unfortunately, we only have uh, spaces right now for, for six CSOs uh, due to, to the budget. However, we also instituted three years ago, uh, a, a um, interim program. And so we have put through really for the past three years, three people each semester so that they can get their, their internship program uh, fulfilled by going, coming to the department. And we tailor the program uh, to meet what they're, what they're looking for. Like we have some that are, are interested in the crime scene investigation, et cetera. So we'll still put them out on patrol so that they can see patrol, but then we'll put them with the detectives uh, for a period of time so that they can see how a detective works a case from the day that they get it till the the closing of that case. The program has been very effective. And actually we've uh, recently hired three, three of our interns. Uh, that have expressed interest, they wanted to go to a municipality. Uh, some wanted to go to a federal agency, and after working with us, they go, "No, we want to stay here because of the type of work that you do so it it gives them an insight, they get to see the law enforcement side, and they get to see what we do as a university police as well.
1: Gotcha, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I just wanted to touch upon the campus advisory board mm-hmm. I was just curious like uh, what's kind of like their role um are they more of like uh, a community perspective that they offer you on I guess the role of policing mm-hmm. and like what kind of uh, meaningful change have they uh, facilitated so far
0: it's an advisory group and, and also a, a group that um, will give us the campus perspective. Um, it lets them understand what our department is a little bit more, um, help us maybe bridge some of those areas that we're having a difficult time um, reaching out to. And so um, they may help us with development of policy and procedure. They are not an oversight group or, or anything. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a true advisory group. And like I said, we've, we've met uh, three or four times. So the first time was really the introduction. Um, we had a meeting in January that was a little more uh, focused. Then COVID came and it kind of goofed up everything. Right. But, but we've met a couple of times um, since then and will continue to for the next month. Uh, months over Zoom, at least right now, to to even narrow that focus even more. Um, like I said, it, it's a group of, I believe, 12, 12 or 14. There are two UAPD officers that are on that. I'm an ex officio member. But we have faculty, staff, student involvement. And it's not just undergraduate. We've got undergraduate and graduate students and uh, it's important to have both uh, perspectives from faculty and staff as well so we've got all all the campus covered on this and and i think it's going to be a really good program and i'm looking forward to continuing
1: to work with them yeah it sounds good uh do you know how members are chosen for the campus advisory board yeah. Yeah.
0: there's an application process that my boss, the senior vice president for business affairs and CFO, Lisa Rolney, uh, put out a call to the campus community and, uh, people applied for it. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, she said we had over a hundred and some applicants. and then, and then she and others went through and, uh, uh, selected these initial members. Uh, they, they're on for a two year period. So the group will, Obviously, transition um, o- over time, which which is a good thing. We just don't want somebody for a year, because again, like being a cop, it takes a while to understand everything. And so, this this two year commitment is uh, will help them better understand the department and us working with the group.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So. Those are pretty much all the specific questions I have for you. Um, Is there anything you'd like people to know?
0: Yeah. uh, And thank you for this opportunity. We've already touched on just a little bit. We've talked about the community-oriented policing. um, And that's what campus law enforcement has always been. When people talk about transparency and accountability, et cetera, I don't think there's any other law enforcement agency that is under the scrutiny that campus law enforcement is. We are required, there's no other police department in the country that's required to annually uh, post uh, their crime statistics, to put out the Clary Act every year with all of the policies and procedures that are required under the Clery Act, that uh, uh, if there is a violation of that, that they are actually uh, subject to fines by the Department of Education. Um, Nowhere in the cities or counties is there a requirement to put out a, a text alert that there was just a robbery down the street, or that there's an armed individual, or uh, a timely warning to the community that we've, we've had a series of burglaries over here, or we've got a predator that's uh, been stalking folks. So the the law enforcement uh, of campus is really unique. And when I, I say that, uh, it's not a cliche. We are responsive to the community and we try and get that information out and we are required to. The other thing that I want folks to know is that um, we are accredited, as I mentioned, by three different agencies. Uh, the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies. We have been accredited since uh, 1993. We are the longest university police department in the country accredited under these standards and were evaluated every three years by um, assessors that come in and look at our policies and procedures in practice, I'm sure that we are compliant. We're also um, accredited through the International Association of Campus Law Enforcement Administrators, and um, the reason we have done that is because we're an academic institution, and so this is more focused on campus law enforcement. The, the standards are very, uh, but they're they're focused in on university issues such as the Clery Act and, and and missing, and that doesn't always work, and so that's why it's important for us to be out and engaged in our community, and and to really be one together. Our motto is partners with our community, and that's truly what we believe. And we have got wonderful employees that really live up to that every single day.
1: That's great thank you so much uh thank you for serving the wildcat community uh it sounds like you really care and i really appreciate that um Mm. and yeah thank you so much for joining me
0: thank you good luck be safe Bear down